Welcome everybody at all of our campuses. If you are here for the very first time, uh, of course, welcome. We're so glad that you joined in. Or maybe you just haven't been here for the past several weeks. Let me tell you where we're at in what we're doing today. Today we're wrapping up a series that we've called Better Thoughts. Now, if you're new here or maybe you're just not familiar with that term when I say a series, let me tell you what we mean by that. Around here at CCC, we take one big idea and we break it down into these smaller parts and we just unpack all of those different parts over the series of a couple of weeks, several weeks. And that's what we've been doing uh, with this series, Better Thoughts. And the big idea that we've broken down is basically this. All of us wind up unhappy with some of the outcomes in our lives. Now, it could be any outcome. It can be a financial outcome. It can be a relationship outcome, a career outcome, or whatever. But we all find ourselves to be a little unhappy with some of the outcomes. And what most of us do when we find that we're unhappy is that we decide to, well, change some things. And we say, well, I'm going to make some better, different decisions, and I'm going to change my outcomes. And what mostly that usually means is I just go out and get something new or I get somebody else new. Or like, for instance, I go get me a new spouse or a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend or I go buy myself a new car or I move to a new neighborhood or buy myself a new house. And we're happy for a while with the new outcomes until we're not happy. And then the cycle just starts all over again and we make some new decisions. And what we've been learning over the course of this series is that as followers of Jesus, we've been invited into a different way to change our outcomes. In fact, we've said we believe this is a better way to change outcomes in your life because it's not about just making new decisions that lead to better outcomes. It starts with the thoughts you have, the beliefs that you believe. That's what leads to your outcomes in life. Because see, here's the deal. Every decision that you've ever made in your life came from a belief that you had. It came from a thought that you were thinking. And so we said if we can just change our thoughts, our thinking patterns, if we can change what we believe, then that will lead to a different way of making decisions, which will then lead to better outcomes in our lives. So get some better thoughts and you'll have better outcomes. And we base this on a statement from the Bible by an early follower of Jesus known as the Apostle Paul. And here's what he said. He said, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. And remember, we said, that's really good news because I've never met anybody who just wanted to fall in line with the crowd and just go along with what everybody else was doing. And maybe you came here today and, and you think that's what Christianity is about, you know, just get in line, fall in with the crowd. That's not it at all. He says, don't copy everybody else, but do something different. He says, let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that you think. See, that's where real life change happens. It's not in just the decisions that you and I make. It starts somewhere else. It starts with the thoughts that we're thinking, the beliefs that we have about life. And so every week in this series, what we've been doing is we've been introducing what we believe is a better thought to start with, a different uh, thought for you to think, a different belief that will inform your decisions. And I don't have time to go through every single better thought that we've done in this series. My advice is if you, if you haven't seen them, go to our website, go to the sermon section, and you'll see they're all archived there, and you can catch up and, and learn these better thoughts with us. But for today, today, I want to wrap this whole idea up and I want to expose something that I think it, it's, it's something that stands in the way of you and me making those different decisions and changing those outcomes in our lives. In fact, I would say that this one idea, this concept we're going to tackle today, 
might just be the greatest obstacle that you and I have in our lives from putting a, that keeps us from putting into practice everything that we've learned so far. I'll approach it this way. We all have a certain tendency. I would call it a habit that we all have. In fact, I can prove that we pretty much all have this habit. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had an experience like this? You come to a place like this, a church, and you sit and you listen to someone like me talk, and, and, or maybe you, you watched a video on YouTube, or, or maybe you listened to a podcast and you learned something, okay? And after you heard the talk or you listened to the video, you, you said this to yourself. You went, oh, man, that is so right. I mean, that, that is, I can't believe I didn't know that before. That, that makes so much sense. In fact... I need to do that. I, I, need to, I need to change this. And man, he is so right. I'm going I'm to fix that or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do exactly what I just learned. That is good stuff, right? You ever had that experience? You, you thought that? But then fast forward the next day, some of us, or maybe the next month or the next week or whatever, and you look back and truth is you didn't change a thing. Nothing changed. It was sort of like the, that truth, that thing that made so much sense to you just sort of bounced off and it really didn't have much of an effect on your life. Even if it was something that you knew was good for you, even if it was something you knew was the right thing to do, you wound up not doing what was good for you. You went home and decided to do something else or just to keep doing what you were always doing. Raise your hand if you've ever had that experience in your life. I think we all have pretty much everybody. Well, let me tell you why you've had that experience, why I've had that experience, and, and it's very simple. Most of us are not on a truth quest. Most people live their lives on what you might call a happiness quest. Now, nobody says it like that. Nobody admits that out loud, but when it comes down to it, if you look at how most of us wind up living life, what we actually do in our lives, the reality is that most of us are more interested in grabbing hold of what makes us happy rather than grabbing hold of what's actually true. In fact, most people that I meet would rather live kind of like in a fantasy world if it means they can be happy rather than living by what they know is true. This is one of the reasons why a teenager will do one thing that they know, that they'll do this one thing that their parents tell them not to do, even if they know their parents are right. Like, for instance, honey, he's not really good for you. I mean, think about it. He's been arrested three times, and he still has no job. But mom, I love him, right? He makes me happy. Now, before you think I'm just going to pick on teenagers, let, let's, let's, let's don't be so hard on them because we adults do the same thing. All of us do things that aren't good for us all the time. In fact, let's pick on the adults for a second. We as adults will do things that are the complete opposite of one another. We'll make decisions in life that are completely opposite from each other and we'll do those things for the exact same reasons. I'll give you an example. You start out in your life and you eat unhealthy. You overeat. You just eat whatever it is you want. And if someone were to ask you, why do you eat the way you eat? 
what would you tell them? You would probably say, if you were honest, you would say, well, I just do it because that's, that's what makes me happy. Until one day you look at yourself in the mirror or you go into a doctor's office and he or she gives you a really bad diagnosis. And then all of a sudden, that doesn't make you happy anymore. And so what do you do? Well, you go home and you get yourself on a crash diet plan. You start exercising. You start losing the weight. You get really, really healthy. And then someone comes to you and says, now, why are you living like that? What would you say to them? Well, because it makes me happy. My point is, isn't it interesting how these two completely opposite decisions in life were both done for the exact same reason? Because they make me happy. I'll give you another example. Think about how you wind up piling up credit card debt. You went out and you bought some things. You spent money on some things that you bought because, well, they make you happy. Until the bills come in and the credit card debt piles up and you're so deep in debt and now you're not happy with that anymore. And so what do you do? Well, you get disciplined. You get yourself on a budget. You cut up the credit cards. You climb your way out of that debt. And when people say, well, why did you decide to live that way? You would say, well, that's what makes me happy. Living without debt is what makes me happy. Another example, think about people who smoke and people who wind up quit, quitting their smoking. Why would they do those things? Because they made both decisions for the same reasons. People would say, I smoke because it makes me happy. And then people would say, I quit smoking because it makes me happy. See, nobody is just waking up in the morning saying, I'm going to go out and make decisions based on what's true and what's right. We don't think like that. Most of us just walk out the door making decisions. Why? Because we do what makes us happy. Again, we're just on a happiness quest. We're not on a truth quest. And when you wind up living your life on a happiness quest, you live your life basically like, well, one of those robot vacuums. You seen these things? I kind of wish I had one. They're too expensive for me, but they would be great, right? But how does a robot vacuum work? Well, the robot vacuum takes off and it sucks up all the dirt and cleans the floor and it just goes in a direction until, bam, it hits a wall. Then what does it do? It changes directions, it goes a different direction, and then it sucks up all that dirt until, bam, it hits another wall. And then it changes, and it just keeps doing that over and over and over again. Well, that picture right there is how most people wind up living their lives and making their decisions. I do what feels right until, boom, it doesn't feel right anymore. So then I turn around, I make another decision, and then I go with that for a while until, boom, that doesn't make me happy, and on and on and on it goes. We're not going out and doing research, trying to figure out what's right, and then making decisions based on what's right. Most of us are just going with our gut. We're just following our heart. But, of course, we're adults. Nobody ever says it that way. Nobody ever admits it out loud like that. So here's what we do. And let me just say, this is me too, okay? I'm not just throwing stones at you guys. I mean, I know that may be what it feels like right now, but I'm, I'm in this with you too. I do it the same way. We make bad decisions, and then what do we do? We come up with the reasons to explain our bad decisions that sound like they're the right decisions. See, we try to make bad decisions sound like they're right. And usually when we come up with a reason, it's never the real reason. Because, see, to say the real reason out loud, it would make us feel kind of childish. It would look kind of selfish. Just think about, for a second, 
what would it sound like if everybody all of a sudden just actually started saying out loud the real reasons why they make the decisions that they make? I mean, it would be, it would be shocking to us, right? Uh, like this one. So why are you dating him? Oh, well, I- I'm dating him because, well, because he's rich. See, I, I know that I told you that when the divorce was final, I was going to wait a few years to get into a relationship. And, and I know that, you know that it's really not a good time for me to do this. And I know it's probably unwise, but come on, he's rich. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? That would be refreshing. Or, or how about this reason? Why would you go out and buy that? Oh, well, because my friend's got one. Or, or because I just want to look like her. Or I just want to be just like him. See, we don't say those things. Why? Because those reasons, they're kind of embarrassing, right? They sound childish, don't they? So we don't say those things. Uh, in fact, we won't even admit those things to ourselves. Oh, no. We come up with something else that we think sounds more rational, a reason that sounds more acceptable, like this, for instance. So how come you're spending so much time with her? Well, because, you know, she's having a hard time right now, and she really needs a friend right now. So I'm just being a friend. Really? You know, you're married. Yeah, I know, but, you know, she's, she's having a hard time, and she really, I'm just being a friend to her. Really? Because I know somebody who's like twice your age and not nearly as attractive as her, and she really needs a friend too. Why don't you go be a friend to her? Well, she just needs a friend, see? Or, or how about this one? Yeah, we decided we're, we're just going to go ahead and move in together now, but it's just purely for financial reasons. We're just, we're just trying to save money. That's all this is. We're just trying to save money. Seriously, has anyone ever really believed that reason? Ever? Because I got lots of reasons why I think y'all moved in together, and it has nothing to do with money. I'm just saying. Or how about this one? I bought this car because it's really safe. It's like the safest car on the road. So I just just needed to have a safe car. Really? So what's going to happen when your teenager needs to drive that car? Oh, she's not driving my car. She might wreck it. But it's safe. Really? Or we bought this house, and we know it's huge, and there's way more room than what we need. But we bought this house because we like to entertain. We like to have friends over. And here's the thing, and we can chuckle at some of these things, but the funny thing is, when we give these rational reasons, nobody really believes our reasons. Most people can just see through the reasons. I just think it would be refreshing at some point for everybody just to say out loud once and for all, look, I'm doing this because I want to. That's just the real reason. I made this decision. I made this purchase. I got in this relationship. I moved in. I did this because I just want to. I thought it would make me happy. And even though I knew it probably wasn't wise, in fact, some people, okay, it's flat out wrong. People are telling me it wasn't a good thing. My friends and my family say it's a mistake. I know I'm just going to do it anyway because I just want to. But see, we can't say that, can we? So what do we do? We figure out a way to rationalize the decisions that we make. And this would be funny if it didn't have such huge implications for our lives. 
Because, see, when we start lying to everybody else about the decisions that we make, and we don't tell them the real reasons, pretty soon we start believing our own lies. We come up with these excuses for why we do the things that we do. And the reason we do that is because it, it makes us feel better about these decisions that we're making. Because, see, if I can justify it to myself, then I don't have to feel bad about making a bad decision, or I don't have to feel guilty that I've made a mistake, or I don't have to feel shame or take responsibility for what I've done. And, and I want to get serious for a minute. I've kind of made some light kind of examples here for a second, but I want to get serious for just a second if I could. Isn't it true about you and about me that we can almost always justify any decision that we make, even if we know that it is outright sin? I mean, think about it. You've known some people, or maybe you've even been a person who's made a decision, and it just completely destroyed your life. Or you've seen somebody completely destroy their life. Or they made a decision that hurt a lot of the people that they say that they love. And the whole time, they had a good reason. They had a really good, rational reason. A reason that you couldn't even hardly argue with. It was almost to the point where they had had it figured out where, look, any reasonable person would have done what I did. I just almost didn't even have a choice. But you see it happening in somebody's life, and it's almost like you're watching a slow-motion train wreck. You see exactly where they are, and you see exactly what's happening. Everybody sees it. Nobody believes the lies except for the person telling them. And that's why this is so dangerous. Because as long as you're able to hide behind the lies that you wind up telling yourself, and when you wind up justifying bad decisions, the truth is you never really know where you're at in life, and you never really know what's about to happen to you. And if you don't know where you are, it's extremely difficult for God to ever take you where you need to be. See, self-deceit, it leaves us in a place where we just don't even know where we're at. We can't even see it for ourselves. And if you don't know where you're at, you'll never get to where you're going. In fact, let me give you an image to go along with this to think about. My daughter recently turned 16, so now she's driving and she's out there on her own. She's on the roads, you know. I want you to imagine just for a second that my daughter leaves the house, she's driving somewhere, and she's out in a place where, well, she just doesn't know where she is. She's in an unfamiliar setting, and all of a sudden, the car breaks down. So she calls me up, her dad, and she tells me, Dad, I'm I'm lost, I, I need you to come and get me. What's the first question that I'm going to ask my daughter? Where are you? Where are you? Now, let's just say there's no GPS. She, she can't look it up on the phone, all right? She doesn't know where she is. She didn't pay attention to the road signs. She doesn't have a landmark anywhere nearby. She doesn't have a vicinity to tell me where she's at. She's in a place that's completely foreign to her. She can't give me one detail about where she is. Question, where does that leave me as her father? See, here I am. I'm on the other end, 
her loving father, I'm more than willing to come and get her and take her to wherever it is that she needs to be. But I can't do that because she can't tell me where she is. My point is, that's what is happening in your life and in my life when we lie to ourselves about the reasons that we make decisions and then we wind up believing our own lies. See, this is why you and I are able to hear a sermon, to know what's right, and say that we're going to do what's right, that we're going to change, and then we never change. See, see, you know it's something you need to do. You know it's something that you need to change, but you never change. Why is that? Because you've got your reasons. You've got your exceptions. And the sad thing about our reasons is those reasons probably aren't even the real reasons. They're just lies that we've rationalized and told ourselves so many times that we've come to believe it. But that false reason, and you don't realize this, but that false reason that we wind up believing, it is actually keeping God at arm's length. Because when you hold on to that false reason, you are basically arguing with God about why it is that you can't change or you can't do anything differently. But the truth is, we all live this way. All of us do. We have this capacity. You and I were born with this capacity to just deceive ourselves. In fact, I want to read you something that the Bible teaches us about this. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, finally, he's been talking forever. When's he ever going to get to the Bible? Well, here it is. We're going to get to the Bible, all right? This was written, what we're about to read, was written around 600 B.C. So it's a really, really long time ago. There was a prophet in the nation of Israel, and his name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah lived in a time where he had seen his nation go through king after king after king. And each one of these kings wound up making really bad decisions that threw the nation into turmoil. And every time they made these bad decisions, they always had their reasons. But, and every time they would make a bad decision, they'd get the nation into a bad situation, and someone would come in and conquer, and they'd have bad things happen. Every time Jeremiah would think to himself, well, maybe now they'll learn. Maybe now they'll see it. And they never do. And it just happens. It's a cycle that just happens over and over and over and over again. And so Jeremiah comes to the point. I mean, he he realizes, guys, God has told us what's right. He's given us his law. He's given us a promise that if we'll just trust him, then he'll take care of our outcomes and lead us to good places. But it never works, and and they never listen. So Jeremiah sees what's going on. And finally, he just gets to a point where he's just... He's kind of like you when you're seeing your, your friend make really bad decisions over and over again. He just kind of throws up his hands. He gets fed up, and he just makes a statement. And it's a principle that's actually echoed all throughout the Scriptures. But he puts it in this concise statement. And if you're honest, you, you've probably seen this truth play out in your own life because I've seen it in mine as well. Here's what Jeremiah says. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things, And beyond cure, who can understand it? Now, that's real depressing, isn't it? In fact, I'll just rephrase what Jeremiah says in case you missed it. He says, basically, look, there's nothing more deceptive than your heart. There's nothing more deceptive than my heart. And you know what? There's no cure for that thing. Nobody is able to understand the human heart. See, this is why... All of us have had this internal conversation with ourselves. And and you know, you've had this too. You've had a conversation with yourself when you're about to make a decision, and you say to yourself, look, I know this is probably not wise, 
and, and I know that there, if I do this, there's probably going to be some huge consequences for this. If anybody found out, oh my goodness, what would happen? And the reason I know that that's going to happen is because, well, I saw so-and-so do the exact same thing, and things didn't work out good for him, or things didn't work out good for her. And, 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 and I know this is, this is probably wrong for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And you just wind up doing it anyway. Even though everything inside of you said, I'll regret this, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. You just did it anyway. And then you figured out a way to convince yourself why it was the right thing to do. My question to you is, what is that? Can you understand that? Can you figure that out? I can't. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to anybody. Why? Because your heart is deceitful. My heart is deceitful. It's beyond cure. That means you can't fix it. You can't cure it. All you can hope to do is just manage it. You can't trust your heart. And listen, I know what you've heard. I know what the culture tells you. (laughs) Just go with your gut. Just follow your heart. I mean, if it feels right to you, then it probably is right for you. You just do what feels right to you. I know that's what they tell you to do. But it doesn't work that way. In fact, how is it working for you, really? Is that working out? Because I know that my heart, my heart can convince me of anything. And so can yours. That's why what Jesus said is so important. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth, that will make you free. And see, what Jesus meant when he said that was, when you and I are willing to look at what's true, not what I think is going to make me happy, but look at what's really true. And when I'm willing to expose all the reasons and all the excuses that I've been telling myself, all the things that I've done to rationalize my choices, when I'm able to do that, then I am very, very close to being set free by that truth. But not as long as I continue to lie to myself. Because when you lie to yourself, you don't know where you are. And when you don't know where you are, you cannot get to where you need to be. Now, I want to bring your attention back to that verse that we've been using this entire series, that we've based this whole series on, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let's read it one more time. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. But did you know that that's not the whole verse? There's more to it. And it starts with a very important word, and the word is then. Let God transform you by changing the way you think, then something's going to happen. When you get some better thoughts, when you stop lying to yourself, when you choose to admit and face up to the truth, something's going to happen. What is it that's going to happen? Then you'll learn and you'll know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When you and I can finally clear, get real clear on what we believe, and you clear out all the faulty beliefs, the things that led you and me to make the bad decisions that we wind up making. When you admit all those reasons, they're not the real reasons. They're not. They're just they're things I've used to rationalize. When you start thinking the better thoughts, that's when you have the ability to see and to test and to know and discover what is God's will for my life. But until you do all of that, here's what's going to happen. 
You'll keep hearing sermons. You'll keep feeling convicted. You'll keep having your conscience tug at you. You'll keep knowing, here's what I need to do, and I know I need to change. And you'll keep saying to yourself, yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's right, that's right, that's right. I need to change, I need to change. And you never change. But see, it's so much easier to go from my will to God's will when you've changed the way you think. After you've taken a long, hard look in that mirror, and you've evaluated everything that you believe, and you've stripped away all those lies about why it is that I do the things that I do, because it's when you reach that point. <laughs> See, when you don't get to that point and you've stripped away all the lies, every time you hear God's will, every time you hear what ought to change, it's going to feel like it's a burden to you. It's going to feel like it's too much. It feels impractical. It feels like it's unwise. It seems like it's inconvenient. It's too much of a risk. And the reason it feels that way to you is because you just haven't renewed your mind. You are still on a happiness quest because you're not interested in truth yet. Because, see, when you are only trusting in your heart, when you're still leaning on your heart and your understanding, then what you've basically said is, I'm the one with the truth. I can figure this out by myself. Why do I need God's will? I got this. I know. And you'll just keep on making different decisions, but they'll keep on leading you to the same place because you've still got the same set of beliefs. And you wind up right, always, right back to where you always have been. Because your heart is just deceiving you over and over and over again. Now, maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking to yourself, okay, all right, I, I, I give up. I'll admit it. I'll, I'll agree with what you're saying and I'll just, I'll, I'll strip away all the reasons and I'll get rid of all the excuses for why I live my life the way I live and why I make the decisions the way I do and I'll just, okay, I'll admit it. I am making all of these decisions simply because I want to. But I'm not going to change. I'm going to live the way I want to live. So what are you going to do with that? Well, I would applaud you. In fact, I would say, great, good job. Because, see, I think that's still progress. Because, see, at least now you know where you are. At least now you're not lying to yourself. Even if you would tell me, hey, look, I'm not going to change anything. At least now you're admitting something that you haven't admitted before. At least, and this is what I believe, at least now you're right on the edge of where God's grace can reach you. At least he's got a shot to take you somewhere else because you're not lying to yourself anymore. Now, I want to leave you with something that you can take with you, and I want to give you three questions. I want you to spend some time with these three questions, no matter where you find yourself in this whole thing. I want you to put some real thought into it because if you're ever going to renew your mind, if you're ever going to change the way you think to better thoughts, if you're ever going to know God's will, you need to start with these questions. I think these will be helpful to you. Here's the first question. Why am I doing this really? When, when it comes time for you to make a decision, just ask yourself, what's the real reason why I'm doing this? Why am I moving in with him? Why am I moving in with her? Why am I taking out this loan? Why am I spending the night? Why am I quitting this? Or Why am I still in this relationship? Really, what's the real reason? Not the reason that I told my parents, not the reason I told my spouse, not the reason I told my boss or my friends, but what's the real reason that I'm doing what I'm doing? That's the first question. Here's the second one. If someone were to come to you and they were in the exact same circumstance that you're in and they wanted you to give them advice for what they should do, 
what would you tell them to do? What course of action would you recommend that they take? For instance, if your best friend came to you or your son or your daughter came to you and they said, hey, I'm thinking about doing the same thing that you are thinking about doing or they're thinking about doing the same thing that you've already done, what would you tell them? You might be sitting there thinking, I wouldn't tell them to do what I did. Good. At least right now you're, you're, you're honest with yourself. I mean, at least now you're in a place where you're being truthful with yourself about the reasons why you're doing it and that they're not wise decisions. And maybe, just maybe, God has a chance to take you in a different direction. And then here's the last question. In light of my past experiences, all the things that I've learned, and in light of my future hopes for what I want to see in my future, what's the wise thing to do? And again, I'll just say, maybe you look at that question and you say, I'm going to do the opposite. You may still choose to keep doing the wrong thing or doing a dumb thing or doing something that you know is immoral. But at least now you know it's dumb. At least now you know it's immoral. You're calling it what it is. You're not lying to yourself. You're looking in the mirror and you're just admitting, look, I'm doing something that I know is unwise or I'm doing something that I know is immoral, something that goes against my values, something that very well sabotaged my future, something that my friends and my family have told me is not good for me, but I'm just doing it because I want to. Congratulations. That's progress. See, if you ask yourself these questions and they start making you feel a little nervous or uncomfortable, that's a good thing because it's a sign that you're waking up. You're on the verge of what might be a breakthrough in your life because now you're starting to discover, here's where I am. And that means it's possible for God to take you where you ought to be. So here's what we're going to do today to wrap up this whole thing. Each week in this series, we've given you a, uh, something to take home with you, something that, you can, that will help you uh, remember the better thought that we've learned each week. So here's what's going to happen. On your way out of the door of your campus today, someone's going to hand you a magnet. It's like a refrigerator magnet. And I want you to take this magnet, and I want you to put it on your refrigerator or put it in your car or put it on your desk somewhere that you're going to see it all week long, somewhere that you'll notice. And I want you to use it to remind you of what we learned today. And here's what the magnet says. It says these words. Don't trust your heart. Trust God with your heart. And my hope is that the next time you're about to make a decision, you'll, you'll remember that truth. You'll ask yourself those questions. Why am I doing this, really? What's the real reason I'm doing this? Am I just trusting my heart? Am I just doing this because I just want to? Am I just on a happiness quest in my life? And if someone were to come to me and ask me about this, would I advise them to do the same thing? If it was someone I loved, would I tell them to do what I'm about to do? And what if I didn't trust my heart? What if I trusted God with my heart? What would he tell me to do? See, those are some better thoughts. And those are better thoughts that will lead you to better decisions. And those better decisions can lead you to better outcomes than you have ever seen before. Let's bow, and I'll pray. Heavenly Father, Help us to remember that our hearts can deceive us. They can lie to us. We can lie to ourselves. And God, may we walk out of this place today determined to not just go on a happiness quest, but that, God, we would put our lives on a truth quest, your truth, truth that can set us free. 
It's in your son, son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. We'll see you next week.